Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Just having your phone on you in your pocket reduces your IQ by like 10 points because of this low-grade distractibility, knowing that, oh, if it vibrates, that might be my girlfriend, or it could be like uh, that email that I'm waiting for. Welcome back to the Look Up Podcast. In this episode, I interview my good friend, Tommy Sobel. In some ways, Tommy's the one that inspired the show. He and I met a few years back when I first moved out to Los Angeles. And a couple of years ago, I watched as he quit his job at Amblin Entertainment to follow his passion. Tommy had an aha moment. He realized that not only was he addicted to his cell phone, but that thousands and potentially millions of others were too. And there was really no one talking about it. So he started Brick to create a phone-free movement that helps others build healthy habits around their technology use. Brick encourages us to put our phone down for one hour per day to engage in something meaningful in the real world with the people that we love. I've attended many Brick events and I have to say they're some of the best moments that I've experienced over the last few years. People are just so much more engaged when they don't have their cell phone on them. I've seen people laugh, I've seen people cry, I've seen people build new friendships and drop bad habits. It's been truly inspiring. Tommy's an incredible human. He's a neuroscientist graduating from Duke with a bachelor's in biology. He worked as Steven Spielberg's assistant and later took up the lead on Amblin Entertainment's digital technology initiatives. It was from his role at Amblin that Tommy decided that it was time to start his own thing. And I think he did it for all the right reasons. We talk about a ton, including his struggles with technology addiction. We discuss whether Facebook's evil and a few other interesting subjects. Tommy's truly inspired me over these last couple of years, and I've watched the Brick Movement grow. If you want to be a part of it, I'll leave the information in the information section below the podcast. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy, and I hope you learn something. I'm going to try something new at the end of each of these intros. Give me feedback if it's a little bit too much, but if it resonates, let me know. This show is about looking up, looking around, and most importantly, about looking within. I hope that it helps you reflect on your own habits, and change yourself for the better. So without further ado, Tommy Sobel. So I'm just going to dive in. When did you first realize that you were addicted to your phone? Um... Well, for, for a while, I had this pain in my back, um, which is like my left paraspinals, like by my scapula. Mm. And um, I remember like I was on, on set on Lincoln, actually, and it was like the first time or that was, I think, the first time I felt that pain. And I remember just like leaning, taking my backpack off that I was wearing all day and like leaning against the corner of a door. And like just feeling so much pain in there and not knowing what it was. And for years I was like, oh my God, this is my spot. This is, this is it. I can't figure out what it was. And then I'm it was like feeling a um, mirror. Like, really? Yeah. It's <clears throat> yeah. below your shoulder blade. My Yeah. On your yeah. left side. Left side oh, by man. my shoulder like blade. Feeling it just hearing you talk. Yeah. It's crazy. 
Yeah. And just like some months would go by where it wouldn't hurt at all. And then sometimes it would just be like such a tight, tight muscle soreness. And I realized that it's actually because I'm on my phone so much. I'm left-handed. And so, you know, I'm kind of hunched over looking down at my phone and the weight is being carried in that spot. Mm. And, um, it's like, holy shit, this is affecting my body. This is not just, you know, me using my phone is having these consequences on my body. And I actually now, I don't know if I had this before or if this is after a decade of having a smartphone, yeah. but my vertebra right there is actually out. Like if it's almost like I have scoliosis, it's like one scoliotic vertebra that's just like an inch to the right. Wow. And so, um, so that was kind of a wake up call where, um, it was one of a number of things where I was like, I need to, I need, th- this is a problem. This is not serving me. Have you ever thought about like, if our relationship with our phones would be different, if we didn't have to look down, you know, sometimes, yeah. like, like, sometimes yeah. like, why is it? It's almost like we're bowing mm-hmm. to the device or totally, or it's like, it's just such a, the, the sensation of like the closing. Yeah. That it creates. Yeah, totally. What if our phones were like above our heads? Yeah. Or, well, I think, I think one of the benefits of AR once mm. this is in our eyes is going to be that we don't need to look down that mm. we can actually, you know, body language they say is what, like 80% of communication that only 20% is through language. And so if you're communicating hunched over, mm. um, Th- that they're there yeah you it's like a subservient or or like what do you do when you're depressed you hunch over you you get smaller and this is making us smaller um as opposed to opening up and having uh, a sense of you know open your literally your heart and your chest being open we're both or, opening up right yeah. now yeah well when you pay attention to it leaning yeah. shoulders are down chest right. is lifted right it feels great it's like a whole nother i even feel like the way that we're communicating the I know, I feel our voices it. <clears throat> feel much better. But it's crazy that it's kind of like a like a double-edged sword because not only do you hold your phone in a way where you look down, but also your phone is d- so distracting that it also makes you feel less of your body. So mm-hmm. so us just talking about it is creating the awareness to then find a more stable a healthier posture or the posture that we really want so it it requires that that kind of mindfulness or that attention to it and when you're locked in your phone you're you're not you you don't feel your body you're you're totally disconnected that's crazy you know i haven't ever thought about is is there is there science behind that um lack of sensation in your body when you're when you're honed in on your phone or is that um Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, well, like for one, we now, we now know that multitasking doesn't exist. Like all we really can do is task switch really quickly. And so, um, if we are switching tasks from, uh, we're basically now like on our phone, switching tasks from app to app. It's like yeah. from the weather app, which is like why you wanted to grab your phone to then suddenly, oh, I have a notification on, you know, this social media app or my email. And then, yeah. And then 45 minutes go yeah. by and I've swiped through Twitter 
Instagram. Twice. Twice. <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn. I don't know mm, why yeah. I go to LinkedIn. It's just that extra dopamine Another one. Kick. Yeah. It's like a different dopamine kick, you know, because it's like a work dopamine kick. Right. So I feel like, oh, this is my career, you know, yeah. phone. It's like different flavors of candy. Like, you know, when when you binge, you don't necessarily only, like if you're going to binge on bad food, you might eat a bunch of popcorn and, and a big, you know, and donuts and ice cream. Like when you binge, you're like, that's the, the mood. You don't binge for one specific thing. It's because your willpower has been overloaded or just turned off completely. Mm. And I want to I want to go back to a couple of things that you mentioned there, and then also you mentioned AR before, which is augmented reality. Um, and you know, I'm curious. Well, first, I'm curious. You know, other than the physical effect, right? Just for those listening, what um, what other potential consequences are there of overusing our phones? Well. Um, <clears throat> I think that we can look at the fact that the average phone time for young people is now up to 10 hours a day and that teenagers uh, are the Pew Pew Research Center did this. I believe they are now I'm sure you read this article, but but they they are now uh, safer than they've ever been. Hmm. Uh, They're not getting their driver's licenses. They are not having sex. They're not going out and getting drunk. They're not actually going out as often to see their friends. Mm. Um, and they're lonelier and more anxious than ever before in history. Mm. And so basically what, what I think that means is we, you know, we have replaced our real world relationships with our relationships through our phones. The reason why they're safer and not getting their driver's licenses and not going out and getting drunk and not having sex is because they're yeah. literally spending less time. That sounds like a parent's, you know, parent's dream. Yeah, right? it's, it totally. Yeah. It's a parent's dream because their person, you know, their their kid is home. They're safe um, on the surface, at least. But we're tribal animals. I mean, we evolved in packs, and we require uh, community and and in person connection. You you can't make a deep connection with someone uh, through the internet. Like you can you can have mutual interests and. Uh, maybe have a good time, but how many people that, you know, only on the internet would help you move, move your apartment would help you move or, or would, you know, do a favor for you. Like the, those are not, uh, their surface relationships. I think about this sometimes because in, um, the current, I guess, tech, tech investing environment or startup environment, right. A lot of people are on Twitter. Um, and a lot of people are on Telegram, actually, in the crypto community uh, that I'm a part of. And there's many people that I haven't met in person, but I hold um, multiple conversations with. And it's often intellectually stimulating. And then I'll meet them in person and it's 50-50 chance if I like them or not, hmm. right? And obviously, we have relationships on our phones where you know maybe Twitter's better suited for trolling and actually not constructive conversation uh, and then you get together in person and it's much harder to treat someone the way you would treat them mm-hmm. um, on social media. But I, I, f- mm-hmm. I feel that I feel your point on not being able to make deeper connections, but you mentioned earlier, you know, we were talking about the apps, right. And how they're all like candy. 
And I've been to a couple of your events before, and you've done a really good job of articulating to the community that attends that you're not anti-phone. Mm-hmm. So um, to that point, right, if there's candy in your phone, is there a way for our phones to become more like, say, a salad? Yeah, and I think that there are there are salad. There is broccoli <laughs> in our phone. There are apps that are good for you. And I think that pretty much every app that you use intentionally is benefiting you in some way, whether it's Google Maps or whether it's your meditation app or whether it's uh, the health kit where you're trying to get your 10,000 steps or even if it's even if it's email. I, I think that they they any app that you can use as a tool to improve your life, to help you uh, be more productive, be more intentional, uh, to then, it, it's kind of like how any app that allows you to um, live better in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I, I think I've said this before, but but we're, we're trying to just get to a place where we check our phone in interstitial moments to support what we're doing in the real world, mm-hmm. as opposed to living on our phones and then living in the like living in the real world only in interstitial moments. And and interstitial is a word that goes over my head. Oh, just like bite sized like every you know when you're when you're waiting in the shopping center. Interstitial is like the in between moments. Ah, and that's great because I you know I personally find myself in those types of moments. Um, you know, I can't even take, take a piss anymore without taking my phone out. Yeah. And I I hope that doesn't sound too far, but like, you know, waiting in line, right. There's almost like a privilege in those times when there's nothing to do. You just have to wait. Yeah. But now we fill that space. Right. Right. That that is probably one of the biggest hidden consequences to this always on mm-hmm. culture that we're in right now because it's the it, we're we're searching for stimulation so we're always stimulated mm-hmm. we've kind of created it, it's it that is the the slot machine in our pocket it's it's just so easy to have access to all this information it's just so stimulating but it's the unstimulated mind that is the most creative mind. And it's only in moments of uh, of daydream, I guess. But even like daydream seems like it's it's a, a more structured experience, like specifically like looking out a window. But no, like just sitting and doing nothing or doing the dishes or just like any activity that you're engaged in, I think active rest is a good example, like playing sports mm. or in the shower. You know, it's in the shower where I feel like so many people come up with their best ideas. They say, oh, I come up with the best. And, uh, my dad's a composer. He's like, I come up with my, my songs always in the shower. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I synthesize what I want to do that day in my morning shower. That's, mm. when, that's when I feel like I can set my priorities. And why is it in the shower? that so many people are in our cars that it's because those are specific times where we have 10 minutes or however long it is where we're not on our phone and we're, we're basically assimilating what we dreamed the night before. If you shower in the morning or even anytime during the day, it's, it's, it's the, the unstimulated mind that can take all of the thoughts 
in all of these disconnected things and take two things that are seemingly unrelated and make this third thing that that brings them together. And that that's where what ideas are. That's where ideas form. And we're now on our phones during that white space. Right. That yeah. Community. So we're not exactly. So we're not allowing our minds to go there. And so we are at best backlogged um, because we haven't processed all our thoughts. And, and at worst, we're living where we, without purpose, like not knowing um, or without any unique thoughts or, or without um, meaningful, meaningful thought really. And I want to go back to that. That's, that's powerful. When did you, so, so you're having this pain in your shoulder. Um, you know, what next, when did you start to explore, you know, Oh, it's more than just this pain, you know, and realize that, the other negative effects that your potentially technology addiction right. was having on your life. Well, I, I, I feel like I've also maybe mentioned, mentioned this before to you, but you know, yeah, my, not to anyone that's, okay. that's listening. so my, my favorite thing in the world to do is to read and mm. we're in my house right now. I'll show it to you. If you haven't seen it, I have this bookshelf in the other room mm. that has 150 books that I bought over the years and, uh, for most of those years, I'd read like three of them and, <laughs> and reading is my number one favorite thing to do in the world. Like if I envision what I, the, if you're like, if we're going to, let's go on vacation. Like, what do you need for vacation? The first thing I would think of is who, which books like, am I going to bring? It's like, yeah. I imagine like my success in my mind is me sitting on a hammock on, on a beach, reading a book. Like that's, that's. I what I'm working towards one or two too many books with way too many books. Like, yeah. Why is my bag feel like, like I'm, I'm always over to bring like six books. I end up maybe reading <laughs> half have, a book. Exactly. Yeah. I just I want to have the option. Such an overachiever. <laughs> like I think vacation is going to just be like no time, but then you're there and you're like, Oh, let's go to this restaurant and this let's museum. Like beach. you never just, yeah. You want to experience where you are. I know so I do that too. This, so you have this bookshelf in your room. Yeah, and 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 I I wasn't doing my favorite thing in the world. I would wake up every morning and to my phone alarm clock and then would just scroll or check emails or or dating that. apps. Yeah, and then I would sit at work um on another screen all day for 8 hours and then I would come home and I would probably be checking my phone again while I'm driving on the way home. And then I would come I would say 85% of drivers in LA are on their phone yeah, yeah. while they're driving, Yeah, including all of the Uber drivers out right. there. So Yeah. So we all, and I mean, it's digressing, but that, that's something we all had to learn. Like we, we driving with one eye on your phone and one eye on the road, that kind of like peripheral vision is, is, is a skill that we've, that a lot of us have learned for better or for worse, the ability to not crash for worse, (laughs) probably for worse, worse. There are more car accidents and more pedestrian deaths than ever before, which is so crazy. But, um, but that, that 
that creates that constant switching um, creates what they call consistent partial attention, where there's actually a residue of attention every time you task switch. So like every time you go from your phone to the road, back to your phone, you're actually losing, let's say like 1% of your total uh, attention. There, there's like so, a residue so, there. So these devices and the way that they're, that these applications are programmed are literally taking bit by bit, almost like death by a thousand paper. Yeah. Our attention. Yeah. Yeah. Your ability to focus, your ability to uh, pay attention to one thing fully. Mm. The, the, the just having your phone on you in your pocket reduces your IQ by like 10 points because of this low grade distractibility, knowing that, oh, if it vibrates, that might be my girlfriend or it could be like uh, that email that I'm waiting for. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here and typically when I interview, um, a guest, I write down the questions that I'm going to ask them. And this time I actually did it in the notes of my phone Yeah. and my phone is sitting to the right of me. And I'm telling you that I feel less attentive hmm. to this conversation. And I'm just going to go ahead and just like put my phone okay. on the pillow over here <laughs> and just assume that we're going to figure it out yeah. without the... Cool. All right. Let's see how you feel in the second. Yeah. But the like, next part. I've been thinking like of, of going back and getting. Yeah. Right. Like even just that. I, I feel know. Like body language is even like tilted slightly towards it. Yeah. It's incredible. You know, and I, I think of myself as someone with high willpower. Right. And another thing is like you and I, we, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like my childhood years, I did not have a phone. I didn't have a phone until I think I was. And I was young in, in my family. I think I was maybe 15 hmm. okay. when I got my first phone, which was still pretty young. But like the formative kind of childhood years and teen years, we we didn't have it. So when I, when I was working in high school, I could sit and do hours of work yeah. on end. I considered myself to be extremely focused. And now I don't even know if I can last 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's getting older and dumber. I don't know, but no, I think like we're all there. I think we're all there. It's a huge issue. And the problem in addition to that is that everybody thinks it's their problem. They're like, why can't I focus? Why can't I study? And you're being bombarded with social media where you're seeing everybody else do cool stuff. And so you feel even worse because you're like, oh my God, my friends are all like doing these amazing things. And I'm here and I can't even finish freaking email. It's a flywheel. It's like it distracts you from doing what you actually want to do, living your best life. And then it shows you the life that you think yeah. you should be living. Yeah. And I'm trying to get I, one of my next guests. I'm hoping to get an quote unquote air quote influencer um, here to talk about what life as an influencer is really like, hmm. because on the front from what we see, it's all, you know, beaches and sunsets and great meals. But I've hung out with quote unquote influencers and many of them are sad. Not all of them. Some, you know, and many of them are constantly on the job. Mm -hmm. like you have to post, you have to create content. And that is the truth of that. Life, yeah. Right. And so we're presented with this is what your life should look like when really what's behind the scenes to create it yeah. 
is not there. And then we're not living our best selves because we're continually looking. Right. No, I think, I think that it's worst for those people. Mm. Um, I think that it's kind of like the, like why the reason why the classic chef is fat because chefs are surrounded by food all day. (laughs) And so like, imagine like your pastry chef, they all, you all think of them as fat dudes. What? Yeah. All of them. I mean, not as much recently, but like, the classic chef is surrounded by good food all the time. And so they're always eating. And so it's even more important for them to create healthy boundaries with their food. Otherwise they'll eat too much because they're surrounded by it all the time. And so what, what I feel like people that who are in the business in digital media, it's even more essential for them to create a screen free practice Mm -hmm. because you know, how do we, how can they be the skinny chef? How can they, uh, use use this technology intentionally but not let it it absorb them and just be on it all the time because you'll it'll eat you up and i think that is what's happening it does eat us up yeah burnout there's so many youtubers that experience burnout that constant need of having to do a video every week Mm. um i mean i was i was speaking so i for this right i've decided to post more social media content and i was chatting with a friend of mine who does social media consulting and you know we were talking and we started talking about cadence of posts and she's like yeah i'm thinking like um four to five times per week mm. and i'm just like what yeah like i was thinking once per week max and even that was stressing me out from what i last was told the actual instagram and facebook algorithms uh uh are more likely to feature in the feed posters that do it on a daily basis. So if you really want to algorithmically uh, be, you know, at the head of the curve, mm. ahead of the curve, you want to be posting at least once a day. Well, I don't think I'm going to make it to the head of the curve then yeah. because I'm just not going yeah. to do that. But I but just, even just not even just knowing that, mm. just knowing that fact, which I think a lot of these influencers do, is a lot of pressure. Because then you're like, well, there's no way that I'm going to even be seen by a lot of my followers. It reminds or- me, it reminds me, except even more, this, even, even the stakes are even higher because this is in many instances, these people's livelihood, but it reminds me of Snapchat streaks. And I never uh-huh. really got into Snapchat, but I can't imagine being a child or a teenager, you know, who's social, literally as a social score, which is. How, how are you building this streak? How often are you coming back to this, this device? Yeah. And it's devastating for them when their streaks break. Like 13-year-old kids I know that have 900 days in a row. I mean, that's three years in a row with their like, close friends. Down your phone. <laughs> we're going, and, we're yeah, going on have to go on a family vacation, yeah, or something. Or the, yeah. They have their friends sign into their accounts to keep their yeah. streaks going. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, I'm thinking of 12 year old Mark playing Zelda Ocarina of time and like trying to beat the water temple and just like, <laughs> the snapping, water temple. you know, just like freaking out. Like I can't figure oh it out. Like God. twitching because I'm playing hours of video games on end. My parents thought I was a freak, but now, you know, it's social and you get that validation and that, and yeah. that challenge of, of your friends also holding judgment against you yeah. for not participating. Yeah. So, so, so your books, your back, things are starting to pile up. Um, 
you're looking at your bookshelf and you're saying, I haven't read any of these. And I'm, I'm the same way. I, I, this is an Amazon feeds into this as well. Cause Amazon will push you books. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. I'll buy that. That yeah. looks interesting. And then mm-hmm. whatever sits on the shelf, sits on the shelf. So they're sitting on the shelf. You're not reading them. Is that enough to now push you towards, okay, I have a problem. I think that, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think I already, yeah, I think I knew that, yeah, all of those things was like, it's, it's a problem. Was a conscious problem? Was I going to do anything about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't at that point. It was only when I actually got to know a lot of these influencers and YouTubers and kids through my old job where I realized that they were stuck in this rat race and trying to catch up with the algorithms and they were extremely lonely and anxiety riddled even more so than me because of these pressures that we're talking about. And so it was only realizing that it was this secret epidemic that my entire generation and maybe multiple generations of people, we all woke up one day and we were like, Oh my God, like I'm spend like, I'm not in control of how I spend my time. Um, that I realized like, oh my God, somebody has to do something about this. And this was way before it was mainstream that our phones had been designed to be addictive and they used these gamification techniques like the slot machine and red notifications. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of behavioral design and persuasive technology. It was before that was, that was more known. Um, so at, before that, I thought it was my own private, shameful problem. And, and by the way, you know, I want to also kind of pull back and say it's more known. Yes. And that's a great thing. And more awareness, right? More and more awareness. We need more awareness for this problem. But I'll add to that, that it's, it feels more known to you and I, because to you and me, because we are in this thinking about this all the time, but I assure you that. You know, when I post about this on Instagram, ironically, sometimes I get many messages from people like, I just deleted my social accounts, right? Or obviously they haven't, or I'm going to, or mm-hmm. this really affects me, or so and so committed suicide because of this, or, you know, I can't figure out what's going on with my son. And like, people are like, thank you mm-hmm. for sharing with this with me because I thought it was me. Yeah. I thought that I was alone, and they're not. Right? And like, I think what you're doing is incredible because you're going to continue to raise awareness yeah. for this issue. Yeah, it, is, it does still seem, it is very, very early. Yeah. I mean, digital wellness as this burgeoning industry doesn't really exist yet. Not like, like we are on the frontier of, uh, I mean, we are truly pioneers, I think here where it's like, wait, this is, this is a, a, new pillar of wellness that we need to structure into our lives. Just like we years ago, we're like, wait a second, we can't, we need to be eating organic. Mm. Like we can't just be eating the cheapest food out there. There's a consequence to our health or we can't just be laying, you know, not exercising every day. We need to structure physical wellness. I liken it, I liken it even to cigarettes, you know, like back then, when my grandmother and grandfather were smoking a pack a day, it was good for you to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Doctors, doctors are recommending it. Doctors recommend camels. And yeah. like a big billboard, yeah. you know, with this good looking doctor smoking uh-huh. a cigarette because it relaxes you. Right. Right. And I feel like we're at that moment where our grandchildren will look back and be like, what a joke 
that these people didn't realize that this vibrating, you know, bright, loud machine that they just strapped to their body. Yeah. And, you know, didn't realize that that thing was going to start controlling them. I, I hope that's in our future. Ooh. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's I hope and I have future? hope. What? What do you think is another potential future outcome from all of this? Well, I think that I think that progress happens in waves and it doesn't happen everywhere at the same time. Mm-hmm. So like um I don't know if it's a good example, but yeah, I mean there's still people that smoke cigarettes. There there's That's there's true. um there's still people that, you know, will only buy the cheapest food, you know, don't care GMO or, or that it's or unsustainable. Afford, yeah. You know, others, well, that, that I think is a, that might be another conversation. Cause I feel like <clears throat> you're paying the cost either way. Like, let's say you're buying like a $2 burger at McDonald's. Those are the cost of eating that food consistently with like the diabetes and the high blood pressure and mm-hmm. cholesterol and like, for sure. But they they need to, individuals that are in these what are what are called food insecure areas that only have access to that type yeah. of food quickly don't realize that that's yeah. the trade-off that's true poverty yeah. yeah it's not just poverty of 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 like f- financial dollars in your pocket but it's poverty of choices too yeah, yeah. totally so i mean and maybe you know maybe with this technology right there if you were not out there raising awareness, if you're not out there building brick and doing what you're doing, that one day we could live in a world where there's a poverty of choices. Yeah. Right. And like, as we move towards augmented reality and then integrating tech into our beings, if we haven't figured this out, it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, we're totally screwed. And, and I mean, that's, that's where like, the uphill battle is because mm. capitalism is a beast that is uh, not going anywhere. Mm. And here we have created or allowed um, these, these companies, these tech companies, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, they're literally the four or five biggest companies in, in the world, the most profitable businesses in the world. So, so, you know, they, uh, changing the stru- the the culture and the structure and our relationship to them is not going to is not going to happen easily and without without a fight. Yeah. What um what's your perception of these companies? Uh do you think that they're uh you know like Google's um motif or, or yeah, whatever. do no evil. Do no evil, yeah. right? Is that a joke? Um or is it just that the intention is not there. It's just the incentive system, the, the incentivization structures that these companies work with. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think it's the incentive. I mean, I think they're all good people um, and it's just the, uh, call it the cost of doing business or, or it's, you know, they are beholden to their stockholders and um, probably all want to do good, but you have to their their business models are not aligned 
with the val with with that type of value. So it's it's that's why I believe the solution is going to come from somewhere else. Um, it's not going to come uh, from within. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg talks a lot about these days about privacy and potentially giving individuals back ownership rights over their data. Um, but yeah, I, again, I was listening to a podcast with Sam Harris yesterday, I think, um, elevate partners and, you know, when you hear him talk, it, it really gets you thinking if, if it's more than just structural incentives or if it's potentially just these people are now moving into the territory of bad actor through their negligence, right? Like, I think it's crazy that a doctor um, can be sued strictly for negligence, not even, you know, bad behavior. Hmm. If they make a mistake in a surgery and now at scale, we have these companies that are literally destroying our psychology mm -hmm. and there seems to be nothing that any, anyone, at least on the regulatory front yeah. is willing or capable of doing that. Yeah. It's one of those interesting things. I mean, I think part of it too is like you're paying a doctor to do a job, mm. but like when it comes to social media, like we're getting this all for free. So like how much really can we, how much really do they owe us? And I'm not we're saying the, we're the product, right? So they're, right, they're monetizing we, all of our information that we provide them. Exactly. So if, provide a service. right. So if we are the product, then as the product, why do we have a say at all? I'm not saying that's what I believe, but like, if maybe we shouldn't be the product at all, like it's kind of like this weird middle ground. Like, yeah, if we're the product, if like their revenue is based on selling us ads or the amount of time we spend in app, um, they're going to do everything they can to get that there. How would they not do that? Unless, you know, it doesn't make sense. It would be bad business for them to not do everything they can to maximize and optimize their bottom line. So I think everything they're doing, I think probably makes sense logically when you're inside that system, when you're an engineer and you're trying to um, get a raise or keep your job, what can you do? You want to, you're going to optimize. You're going to make the program better. You're going to set up, autoplay for on the next video so that people don't click off or you're going to make a browser in your social media app that's within the app so when you exit it you're back in the app instead of on safari i hate that so much <laughs> it's so annoying that feature um yeah i mean i think i think for the engineers and kind of the the mid and low level employees at these companies i that resonates with me um and I, I want to talk about a little bit because, you know, we, we're talking about how people feel isolated with this problem. Like it's my problem, not realizing that it's a societal issue. And they're literally each of us individually are almost playing a game for our own attention against a team of the most brilliant engineers in the world at yeah. each of these companies. Yeah. And their, their objective is to get you to look at your phone and your objective is to live your life outside of your phone. Right. So how does yeah. that feel knowing that? Wait, my object objective specifically? No, or you're just saying the average ours, person? Our, ours as individuals. I mean, maybe that's not even. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I don't know if most people actually have a specific objective. 
in with, relationship to yeah their phone and i think that's part of the problem mm. is that uh we now need to start thinking more about screens and our phones mm. we can't just we can't just pick up our phone without thinking anymore um 50 years ago when our parents or grandparents were kids you could pick up any apple and eat it and a regular apple was an organic apple you didn't have to think to eat an apple without pesticides mm. um or without being genetically modified now today you have to work to say, wait a second, let me look at the ingredients. Is this couscous, you know, like how many, like <laughs> what else is in this? Couscous yeah. It's great dinner. Like, Thank is you. this, <laughs> is this part of like a healthy diet for my lifestyle or not? You have to do work. You have to pay attention where before you didn't have to. And I've, this is great because I keep hearing you draw parallels to food. And I think it, it really, um, nails the point that this is our health. Yeah. That, we're, that we're talking about here. And I've heard you describe at a number of your events um, digital wellness as one of the four pillars of health. So I would love for you to explain that yeah. and talk about what the other pillars are and how it ties in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is this is perfect for what, what we're talking about. So, again, like in 1950 – Nobody went outside and strapped on running shoes and like went on a run. Nobody had a gym membership. Nobody went like to exercise. That was not a thing that you put in your calendar exercise. Yeah. It was you had an active enough in general lifestyle where you got physical exercise. And it was only after uh, in the 1960s when, when people started specifically scheduling like I am going on a run. Before that, I was like, you're going on a run. You're crazy. Where are you running to? You're getting milk? Like, nobody I did exercise. Guy, the first one. <laughs> yeah. I just want to yeah. see, like, people are like, what is this guy doing? Have you read the book Shoe Dog? I have They yet. talk about that. No, it's like the transition from, like, wait, you're specifically putting on shoes for running? Like, where are you going? You're going on a run to the sake of runs? Like, it was crazy back then. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> it's like, what are you running from? Like, <laughs> that was what people were saying myself <laughs> yeah yeah so physical wellness is is what i would say is the first pillar of wellness where you specifically have to you have your gym membership today or you have your yoga practice or you have one thing that you do hopefully everybody struggles with it but that you do because you know that you got to get out and exercise or it keeps you younger it's good for your skin your brain focus all that stuff um then you have your emotional wellness so in the recent past, um, going and getting therapy has lost a lot of taboos. A lot of people have a mindfulness practice and they meditate um, mm -hmm. or they do something that is a meditative routine, whether it's cooking or gardening or mm -hmm. or you know, maybe it's just taking long showers. Um, but something that um, is, is supporting your emotional wellness that you have to structure into your life. Like you have to sit structure, like I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes. Otherwise it'll never happen. Then you have your nutritional wellness, which is again, uh, uh, yeah. Eating organic. Yeah. Paying attention to what you're going to put in your body. Or like, are you paleo? Are you, are you, you know, on the celery juice diet you right now? Ketosis right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So much butter. <laughs> so, so those are the three, 
you know, we've had to structure that for our wellness into our lives. Otherwise, we will be unwell. And so digital wellness, I think of as the fourth pillar where now we need to pay attention to the amount of time we're spending on screens and our, is it serving us or are we serving it? Do we feel good after we've used our devices or do we feel worse? And so that fourth pillar, all of those together creates a wellness lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, and digital wellness just, I think happens to be the newest it's just the newest one. And and in your mind, people will need to start scheduling specific time for digital wellness yeah. in their lives. The same way they go to the gym, the same way that they shop for healthy food. Yep. Same way you brush your teeth. It's mm. interesting. I mean, it makes sense, right? I, I wish it weren't the case. Um, I wish that we could have, as you said, like in the 50s, the general lifestyle of healthy activity so that we don't need to schedule those times for running and the digital equivalent. But it seems like that's not the reality that we're, that we're moving towards. Well, life has a tendency to become more and more convenient. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually just one of the consequences of progress where, where like, yeah, before now we, we, we don't even need to leave the house ever. If we wanted to, we could have delivery all day. I know a lot of people in New York that like just do delivery all winter and you don't, you don't need to even, you could spend weeks without communicating Amazon. Yeah. Um, you don't need to go to the grocery store. You get Instacart. You don't even know, need to go and pick up your toilet paper. Um, so you, you, life is so convenient now. And in that convenience, it's pretty awesome. Like you can, you can get something delivered to your house two hours after ordering it. Like there's some amazing things, but, but with that, uh, it's almost like we have a responsibility to ourselves to even that out with, um, these healthy practices that bring us back into harmony or balance. So if we're not leaving the house to go to the grocery store um, or we're taking our car instead of walking or, or taking a bike, that's exercise that we used to get that we weren't getting. So now we need to replace that with the gym. Mm. So if we are, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's the best example, but it makes, it makes sense. And, and so, you know, my per- perception of what you've been building with Brick, and I, I've been lucky enough to see kind of the dots in your journey through this, has been that you have been treating this as a big personal experiment. Yeah. So, you know, when did you kind of make the transition from, holy shit, I'm addicted to my phone, I'm not reading these damn books, um, my back hurts. And by the way, all these YouTube kids that I work with are also struggling and alone to like, I'm going to do something about it. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess the other element to that was that I, I wasn't feeling fulfilled with my job Mm. and I wanted to do more with, uh, my skills and my interests and my job was really cool, 
but it was this exploratory position that was going to continue to be exploring and not actually activating any of the relationships or the, we, I, I, I know this isn't the main topic of conversation that we've been chatting about, but I kind of want to dig in a little bit there because your job from an outsider's perspective was incredible. Can you share what you were doing? Yeah, I was Steven Spielberg's assistant for five years. And then I he promoted me to a new position mm-hmm. in a new department as the digital creative exec. And so I was tasked to explore what DreamWorks Studios was going to do beyond film and TV. So like, what are we going to do in podcasts? What are we going to do on in VR and Instagram and Snapchat? And so, so, so for me, you know, that sounds incredible, right? And I think that, and the reason I want to touch on this is because I feel that we're, we, ha- we all have um, external pressure in life and an idea of what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And here you are in this position that maybe like, you know, it's, it provides you with some level of status and it probably has good pay and it checks these kind of social boxes, but you go in and you say, this is not fulfilling me, man. How hard was that transition? Like how long did it take you to really pull the trigger on that? How challenging was it for you? You make it sound so awesome. I feel like it sounds so much, so much cooler than uh, it felt at the time. But I just really wanted to do something with myself. And I felt like uh, the position I was in, um, I wasn't able to activate my interests or my skills. I was, it was going to be a, so I was in that job for two years and it was probably going to be another two years or more before we actually started to create any of this content that I was investigating. And I didn't want to wait that long. I didn't want to do that. I had too many things I wanted to do and life is so short that I just, yeah, I didn't want to wait. And and I had conceptualized brick and uh, had had started myself putting my phone down for an hour a day that year. Um, and close to the end of that year, I had like read 20 something books and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing uh, of like that sense of accomplishment, which is so precious. And so I we were I, just talking about that sense of accomplishment and how it feels. Yeah checking those boxes. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm a to-do list guy. <laughs> so, anyway. me too. Me too. So, I I I challenged I think like 25 friends. Yeah. I asked to put their phone down for an hour a day to do something in the real world. They could pick whatever it was uh for 7 days as like a first trial. Like is this something other people care about? And it was interesting because at the end of that week, didn't you send like a survey or something? Yeah. I had a couple of surveys. I had like a pre-survey. Were you in on that? I think I was in the second. 
beta. Okay. This cool. Alpha or whatever okay. you'd call it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I remember this. Yeah. Thing. Our first user trials. Yeah. So yeah, we, we kind of like had people download one of the tracking apps to know how much your screen time was before the week began and then how much it was at the end of the week and then kind of self-reporting how you felt. And we had, I think two or three people ended up deleting their Instagram and that wasn't even my intention, but it was, it was the response was, wow, I actually felt great. Um, I would love to continue doing this, but I probably won't without an additional incentive. Mm. And also it would be really nice to do this with other people. What incentive were they looking for? Was it like financial incentive? I don't think they knew. They were leaving that to me. They were like, I need another reason to do this. Like, I'm not going to change this habit on my own. They were like, I need, there needs to be. And so that's, that kind of took me down the path of, okay, um, what are some gamification techniques that we can use? Maybe that video games and slot machines and gambling and social media have all used to get us on our phone, use those same tools to help create healthier habits and, and healthy behavior change. And so that's, that's where we're have at. Have you read the, um, the Octalis framework? For yeah. Gamification? Yeah. It's great. What's the, I forget the author. Octalis is from Yukai Cho. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel like brick, um, and I spoke to our friend Andrew about Siempo. I feel these are companies that are using kind of more of like a white hat mm-hmm. strategy for gamifying activity or almost like white hat versus black hat, white hat being kind of your intrinsic motivators and kind of healthy habit creation, black hat being kind of positive flexible. reinforcement versus negative reinforcement. Yeah. Got it. So white hat is positive. Black hat is negative. Right. So what, um, what extra incentives did you start to add in? Well, we started throwing dinner parties. And so I think that what that added was the um, intrinsic value of social uh, social benefit, social belonging, the sense of of just enjoyment. Um, yeah, so that's that's probably the intrinsic white hat thing that we that we started to test first. I think that's that's super powerful because you talked about how humans um we trend towards convenience and that means in our social behavior we go where everyone else goes. And if they're all on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn for me I'm mm-hmm. I love LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh you know that's where we go. But if we hear that people that we respect and love are going to a phone-free dinner, then maybe it piques our interest. And yeah. We're curious. Yeah. And so you go to one, which is great. You go to another one. And then, you know, as we've discussed, right, this feels more than just a business. This yeah. feels it's a movement. It's a movement. And that's that's another white hat um I don't know if technique is the right word, but gamification tool um, that that's uh, about how everyone has a desire to uh, find a, a higher calling. So like this is not, th- this is for the greater good. It's like the same reason why people contribute to Wikipedia. Nobody's contributing to Wikipedia to make any money. 
They're doing it because Wikipedia is now this source for this go-to source for the greater good, for the, the, the memory, the library for humanity. And so as we're all getting more and more awareness of like, Hey, our phones are addictive. This is a problem. Our screens are not serving us. Let's all together support each other and do things in the real world without our phones. That, that kind of aspect of, of there being a mission to it, mm. of there being a cause for it, mm. taps into everyone's desire for that that meaning, that higher conflict. I mean, sorry, that higher calling. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just an additional benefit, I think. I agree. I mean, having been to these events, you know, I feel, I just feel the power Um of, of that community, of that support, you know, because one, I think it's multi-step, right? Like what I love with what you're doing with brick is you're also, you know, you've also said we're not anti-social media. We're not anti-technology. We are just developing healthy habits in relation to this. We're not telling you go delete Instagram. Yeah. You know, in fact, you meet people where they are on Instagram with incredible content. Yeah. And, you know, I think the game that we're playing Um, the game that you're playing with brick and the game that I'm playing and trying to help with, with this podcast is awareness first, right? Build, build that awareness. Um, and then start to provide solutions Mm -hmm. and support first. You're not alone. And then here, right. Let me help you. Let me throw you a lifeline. Yeah. Man, I like I just find that this work is so important right now. Yeah, me too. And thank you. I I think that that there's so much power in just leading by example. Mm. Like it has to start by you doing the right thing. Um it's like kind of why they say like put your own mask on before helping others. Like we like I need to solve this problem for myself. Mm. And that's really what a lot of this is. It's like what works for me. Um, I just want to be hanging out with people without their phones. Like, I just want to engage more, more, uh, fully with other people. Um, how, how, how has the work that you've been doing for yourself? How has brick impacted your life? Not building the business, right? Cause that's mm-hmm. a whole nother thing. And that I think is a, how I built this podcast episode, mm-hmm. but more just like personally, like what changes have you seen in yourself? I feel like, especially when I ended up reading 28 books that year after having read none for, for years that, um, I, I grew a pretty distinct sense of confidence and, uh, felt like I could do anything like um, that I'm in control of my time, that feeling of empowerment of, Mm. of, yeah, of being in control and not being at the mercy of my email inbox um, (laughs) and whatever might plop up into it. And then having to uh, respond. I feel like just in general, it's allowed me to be less reactionary to what comes in and more decide what I want to come out. 
mm. what I want to do with my social media, with my emails, with my online presence, instead of just receiving what's coming at me. I don't know if that's so no, vague, that, but that no, it's not vague at all. It makes perfect sense. Um, you know, Ashton Kutcher of all people, uh, described email as everyone else's to-do list for you, <laughs> Yeah, which is so accurate. Like yeah. we, I, you know, I get to work and if I start going through my email, I don't get anything done for the day. Right. right? You, I do not get, um, what I need to get done, done. And I think one practice that I, I put into place is I'll make a to-do list at night before I go to bed. Hmm. And I will put it that, and Mark Shapiro, our mutual friend is the one that put me onto this habit. I will put the most important thing that I need to do for that day at the top of the list. And before I do anything else at work, that's what I'll do. Mm. Um, and I think that that sense of empowerment that you get, that sense of, you know, control, because we are just reacting all of the time. And if you have notifications on your phone and if your phone vibrates, like there's, if my phone is near my person, I yeah. feel it's presence. Yeah. And it's only going to get more intrusive. Yeah. Um, what other practices other than just, uh, you know, stopping your phone for an hour a day, what other practices have you been putting into place that can help others? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that I really like the structure that you've set up for yourself of setting the to-do list the night before, because what's so cool about that is that, um, by setting the intention for the next day before you go to sleep, that whole night, your mind, your subconscious mind is actually working and is, is going to start solving those problems. Like you've basically given an intention to your subconscious mind so that when you wake up and then you actually execute to sit down and do whatever that, that is, you already have the subconscious mind on board and has been processing it. Um, so I think that's super cool. Um, by the way, I forgot to mention, uh, that you're a neuroscientist as well. So that just reminded me. I did me. some of that. Yeah. Just a little bit of neuroscience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to sprinkle that in there. Um, Got to sound, sound smart. You are. Um, what I personally do, what works for me right now, and I, I'd love to try that. I actually have dabbled in that a little bit, but currently my habit is I wake up in the morning uh, to a non-phone alarm, to an analog alarm clock. My phone, I actually do charge now. Wait, what's that? <laughs> I know, right? $7 on Amazon. And uh, I'll, I'll put a link up under this episode, actually. I think that's pretty a good one. thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. If you have an idea. Yeah, I have a friend's company called Bagby, and they, uh, they sell analog alarm clocks that are really nice. Yeah, that's what I'd probably recommend. Um, and... I, so I charge my phone out in the other side of the room so it's not grabbing distance. I mm. um, have to physically get out of bed in order to check it. And the first hour of my day is my brick hour for the day mm. where when I wake up, uh, I might like go to the bathroom and brush my teeth or something. Um, but then I come back in bed and I do my 20 minutes of morning meditation. Mm. And then I shower and then I make coffee. And it's only then, so an hour into my morning, mm. that I sit down on my computer and check all that shit or my phone. Yeah. And, and I've, because of you, I've implemented a similar practice in my life 
I used to not sleep with any electronics in my room, but now I live with two savages um, in basically a frat house in LA. And I don't even want to leave any important things out in the in Oh my living God. Room. I love you, Jake and Andrew, but it's too much. <laughs> um, and so now I find myself, if the phone is near my bed, it's much harder, but it's crazy because it sounds so simple, right? Like all the things that we used to do, getting ready for school, even like in high school, right? That 30 minutes or two, an hour of prep time, just getting your day started, didn't include a phone. And you don't need your phone during that time. And yet it's so hard. Yeah. Right. And that's something that I keep coming back to is like, simple does not mean easy. And so what I do want to share here is these are practices. And I think that you'll be the, the first to admit, and I'll certainly admit that I'm not successfully executing on these habits every day. Yeah. And you talk a lot about habit building. Um, you know, no, I'm still figuring this all out. How important is it to keep on going, even if you're imperfect in developing a new habit? I, well, so is, are you saying like, if you failed, if you miss just a day, stop? Yeah. If you miss a day or if you miss two days, like, I feel like the, I feel like many of us, myself included, like I'll, I'll be, I'll say, Oh, I want to exercise every morning. And then all of a sudden I miss one day. And then the next day I wake up, I'm like, I'm exhausted. And I miss the next day. And then the third, and then I'm all of a sudden, I just want to give up. Yeah. No, I think it, I think that we need to be realistic about our expectations and, Every day is a new day. Nobody's perfect. Nobody, I guarantee you even Olympic athletes uh, take a day off or, or do the wrong thing. I mean, we're all human. The purpose is not to be perfect. Um, and that's part of that self-shame thinking that I think we as a culture all need to get over is, is if you screw it up, like it's okay. Like, it's fine. Like, just do it, do it again. Try again the next day. Um, but because you, you lose your streak or whatever, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you shouldn't give up on, on a healthy habit. Like what? So you do the wrong thing once. So you like throw the baby out with the bathwater and like, just, I know. And it sounds so obvious, but I feel like many of us, and again, myself included, you know, it's, it's in the cultivation of these habits. It's so much easier not to care. It's so much easier to give up and coast. And just, you know what? This is going to be one thing that, you know, ignorance is bliss. There's one thing that I'm just going to forget about because I have so much that I'm already stressed out about. It's so easy. It is tough. It's a, it's a struggle to... Uh, life is Life is not easy. So it's like, accept that get over it, do what you can in the world, try to do, be a little bit better every day. If you screw up, no big deal. It's like that balance of wanting to do better, but not being hard on yourself uh, of like, you know, some, and, and that's why I feel brick is so special and why I love it is because that community element, right? Like, again, I, I'm going to bring up Andrew because I just interviewed him as well. And Siempo is like that that um, AI, almost not an AI, but that one day maybe an AI, right? Just a friend in your pocket, but it's a technology, technological friend in your pocket that's like, you're doing this not the right way. Let me help you because these others are like attacking your attention. 
And Brick is like the friends all around you that are participating in this new game with you. Yeah. And it truly is a game. It's the game of saying, you know, I want to, I want my life to have, I want my life to have less time in digital, more time in the real world. I want to have fun. I want to be in nature. I want to do the things that make me feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Brick builds that community around you uh, who support you when you stumble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're making it fun. We're trying to make like healthier habits fun. Sure. Um, Last question. Are you still addicted to your phone? <laughs> I like to say, Honest answer. <laughs> I, I think that I uh, do a really good job now using my phone intentionally. Uh, I still am on my phone a lot. Um, but I don't, for me, when I ask myself the question, do I wish I spent less time on my phone? I don't say yes to that. I think that the time I spent on my phone is 99%, 95% productive, intentional time. Um, I still want to structure more engaging activities in my life. So I, it's, it's, I want to have a, a more, uh, I want to have more things scheduled in my calendar that I love to do. And that's, that's the other half of brick that I'm still working on. Thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. It's been a really fun ride so far. I just get so excited every time I meet some of these incredible people and just love sharing their stories and, and ideas with you all. You can learn more about the show at thelookuppodcast.com. That's T-H-E, lookuppodcast.com. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Wark Meinstein, W-A-R-C-M-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N on both Twitter, Instagram, um, and Medium, and Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook page for the show as well, The Lookup Podcast um, on Facebook, so check us out. Uh, you can also subscribe to our mailing list on the website for more future updates. If there's anything from the show that you want to catch, I've posted that in the show links for you to check out. And if there's any way that I can improve, please let me know. Feel free to reach out. If you have any guest recommendations, please let me know. Other than a couple of individuals who are helping me out in the background, you know, this is a passion project and I'm always open to feedback and any kind of support. I want to thank Sam Palumbo and Patch Kid Music for the sound editing and the intro and outro song that he created. And I want to thank Hello There Collective for their support on my social media. You can check them out at hellotherecollective.com. All right, that's enough for me. I'm sure you're ready to go on to your next activity. Thank you for listening. And please come back again next week for another episode of the Look Up Podcast. Yeah.